Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, LA Knight gets to finally step up to the plate and knocks it out of the park. MJF versus everybody. John Cena is telling a new story, and Ric Flair is a literal gift. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Ah, here he is. Happy day. Happy Not Sam Wrestling, everybody. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, my favorite wrestling podcast. <laughs> and I hope yours, too. I'm allergic to incredible content. And that's what this is. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. It is for a lot of people. If we're watching this as soon as it comes out, we're, we're coming off a of Halloween weekend. We're, we, we've got Halloween Havoc coming up. We've got so much to talk about, but this weekend, regardless of, of of holidays, of social plans, of engagements, it was a big weekend for wrestling fans because one of, if not the biggest wrestling fan-centric documentary ever produced has finally seen the light of day. Superfan has finally been released. This was a long-lost WWE documentary. People had seen previews for this. They'd seen the graphic with Vlad the Superfan and the word Superfan. They knew that this had been created at some point. They just didn't know when anybody would be able to see it. So for those that don't know, Vladimir the Superfan was legit the original guy in the front row. He was the original before there was a a Brock Lesnar guy or a Frank the Clown or a green t-shirt guy or a, you know, uh, sign guy you know I, I think people forget sign guy was like wwe sign guy was that in between period before the frank the clown brock lesnar guy era it was the sign guy era but before any of it before ecw had howard stern guy and hat guy and sign guy it was uh vladimir the superfan and then as you looked more closely into what was going on you'd see the people in the Vlad clique, as I've called it, we're also the same people. You know, your front row Charlie, you're, you're, you're those folks. But before there was the internet, before any of it, everybody 
had this observation that watched wrestling, WWE, regularly when I was a kid and growing up, like in the, in the mid to late 80s, going into the early 90s. And you'd see Vlad pop up after this. But I mean every big show for a period of time. You'd see the most enthusiastic WWE fan that you'd ever seen in your life, seldom wearing sleeves, almost always a tank top or some kind of cutoff shirt. He was lean, but in great shape, had a lot of vascularity, some musculature, but slim. And he was just leaning over. He was in the front row of every show, leaning over the guardrail and going, come on, come on. And he was cheering the good guys. And he was booing the bad guys. He was the original boo the bad guys advocate. Was this Vlad? And forever, people would try to figure out who he was because, you know, up until even the late 90s, still in the mid 90s, when the internet was kind of starting to bubble, these, 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 these myths would just kind of populate on their own, these rumors that you just hear from your cousin would just somehow go organically from person to person and everybody would have this story and everybody would have the inside scoop, right? Everybody wondered, how does this guy get all those front row tickets? And legit, I, I, I mean, it was, it was talked about in Superfan, but legit, I was made to believe this is Vince McMahon's personal trainer. This is the guy who goes, he's Vince McMahon's personal trainer when we all found out that he won't tell anybody. It's a secret. But you know the guy on commentary, Vince McMahon? He actually owns the company. We were like, what? Yeah. And that guy who's in the front row all the time with the muscles and the tank top, that's Vince McMahon's personal trainer. Oh, that makes sense. And as kids, you go, because like as an adult, you go, well, why would the personal trainer be freaking out for all the good guys and booing all the bad guys and, and going to every single show in the front row and just losing his mind? But as a kid, you don't realize no, people would grow tired of that. It's his place of employment. No, 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 no. You go, of course. I mean, if I was Vince McMahon's personal trainer, I'd be like, can we watch Wrestling Challenge over and over and over again? Can we watch WWE Superstars again? Can we watch King of the Ring 93? Hey, let's talk about Art Donovan. Because we're all such big wrestling fans. So we figure everybody else must be too. But as it turns out, Vlad was just a guy who loved wrestling and loved WWE and would go to every show and go to the box office and and have his routine. So uh, I wanna say back in like, I mean, it was well before the pandemic. So maybe like 2018 even, 2018, 2019, John Carlo, who uh, also did the doc uh, about, uh, what's his name, uh, Tom McGee, who had the match with Bret Hart and people thought Tom McGee was going to be the future, but realized that Bret Hart was the one who did all the work. Uh, he did that. That was one of his early projects in the WWE. And ironically, one of his last projects before he uh, found his way outside of WWE and is now over at AEW, John Carlo did, was this Vlad the Superfan doc. But you can credit him. If you're mad that my face keeps popping up in these WWE documentaries, well, you can direct your anger a bunch of it towards him because he was one of the early people to give me a shot at doing this talking head thing. And he came to me at a show or something. I don't know. One of these times we were talking, he goes, 
hey man, do you know anything about Vladimir the Superfan? And I just started talking to him. I go, of course, of course. I wanted a Vladimir the Superfan Hasbro when I was a kid. I was obsessed with figuring out who this guy was and I was telling him all my theories and everything. He was like, oh my God, perfect. I'm making a doc about him. Can we shoot something? I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. So we went and we shot it. And uh, I mean, you can see in this thing that, that just came out, I have hair in it. This is old Sam talking about Vladimir the Superfan. Thank God I had a beard. It was probably early into my Sam with a beard phase. I'll tell you what, it was not past the point that you can watch that and go, yeah, it's a good thing that he shaved that head. But, so whatever, we shot it and then uh, the pandemic happened, everything slowed down. But this thing, uh, nobody had any idea why. It was just sitting on the shelf forever. And then last week, Friday night, the internet starts rumbling going, Yo, Superfan is on the WWE Network. And I, 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 there were American wrestling fans that were trying to figure out if they could get, uh, uh, you know, new uh, IP things. Nor, like VPNs, I should say. VPNs. So they could get onto the WWE Network and see this thing. And then maybe 12 hours later, as I woke up on Saturday morning, I was getting all these messages that Peacock had actually uploaded Superfan. Just out of the blue, out of nowhere. You just go on Peacock, recently uploaded. Boom, there it is, Vladimir the Superfan. And there's this amazing 37-minute documentary where it tells his story. They talk to a lot of the guys uh, who, you know, interacted with him that knew him being in the front row. Jeff Jarrett, Shawn Michaels, Bruce Pritchard, you know, and, and got so much insight from the man himself, Vlad. And to me, it's just such a great piece because... It, it like, it's just a good reminder of why we love this stuff. It's a good reminder of, of why we're here, why we get together once a week to talk about it, or sometimes more than once a week to talk about it on Not Sam Wrestling, like, like what it is, right? Because I think that sometimes you get lost. You get lost whether it's in me going, okay, well, how do I get more eyes on the podcast? Well, how do I interview this person? Well, how do I, how do I, 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 make my fandom more, right? Or you go, if you don't have a podcast, you're like so lost in the minutia of what's going on right now that you're tweeting this criticism or you're tweeting that criticism or you're writing on Facebook, or you're arguing with your friend or whatever it is. And I think that you forget that the reason that we're all involved in professional wrestling the way we are is because of that feeling that you get when you walk into an arena and you see that ring set up and everything that you've been watching on TV for however many years you've been watching, however many months you've been watching, however many weeks you've been watching, all comes to life in front of your face. Vlad, like, so eloquently, ironically enough, and, and, and concisely, explain that that it's his home. He feels at home. When he's in Madison Square Garden watching WWE, he feels at home. And I think that for a lot of us that are as big of fans as we are, that is what that is. There is this feeling of being in an arena and seeing superstars, but also just feeling the energy of the crowd around you and going, this is it. There is no more 
than this. There is no other thing. There is no, well, I need my voice heard. There is, it's, it's, it's this. It's just taking in all this amazing energy. And ultimately, I think that's what this super fan doc was all about. But it was, I mean, it was really, really great on two levels for me. Number one, the world getting to know Vlad a little bit more. Because again, I think that as time has gone on, you know, people who didn't watch in the era may not understand the significance of the fact that we saw this guy in the front row of every show and it was before that was really happening. But not only does it tell his story, but it also kind of explains the story of just being a fan and why we are fans of this. And and I just think that's such an important story and just so so cool and something that we can all relate to and and just this wholesome moment that we can kind of come down to earth and be like, yeah, dude, I love being a wrestling fan because I love being a wrestling fan. And one of the reasons that I love being a wrestling fan is, is, is watching the constant evolution, not just of the product as we all watch the product, but of individuals and just seeing the sort of uh, uh, progression that superstars make. I turn on SmackDown this week and, and, Roman Reigns is opening the show, and it's always exciting when that Roman Reigns music hits. You know I love when that Roman Reigns music hits, and Roman starts walking to the ring. It's that and the succession theme. Roman's theme and the succession theme are the two themes. The two If there are two instrumental tracks with no lyrics that can get me jazzed, it's the succession theme and it's Roman Reigns' bloodline theme. It's incredible. So Roman's coming to the ring, and just as he's putting that undisputed WWE Universal Championship in the air, L.A. Knight. Here comes L.A. Knight, and he walks right past him. And Michael Cole, with such a, a, a great call, just this little understated call, where he says... L.A. Knight didn't even acknowledge Roman Reigns as he walked by him. Now, on one level, you're just going, yes, that's an accurate description of what happened. But in the bigger picture, you're looking at the whole story. The entire story of L.A. Knight versus Roman Reigns was just spelled out in one short phrase. L.A. Knight didn't even acknowledge Roman Reigns. Since Roman Reigns returned to the WWE and took that title and put Paul Heyman by his side and started building the bloodline years ago at this point. What's the one thing that he has always looked for? What's the one thing that he's asked every opponent to do? That he's asked every audience that he's been in front of to do? Acknowledge me. That's what this whole thing has been about. I deserve to be acknowledged as the tribal chief, as the person that's putting food, not just on my table, but on your table too. I deserve to be acknowledged as being something very different, something very special, once in a lifetime, and something that you are lucky to be in the presence of. So acknowledge me. And Allie Knight walks right past him. And not only does he get in the ring, says hello to the audience, he sits right in Roman's seat, the head of the table spot, and Keeley doesn't 
acknowledge Roman Reigns. This is what has put Roman in this state. See, Roman to me in this story represents a lot of people who maybe number one are not watching week to week, but also aren't necessarily ready for change. There are a lot of people who don't like change because change means that you're aging. Change means that the things that you knew to be true may no longer be true because everything changes and everything evolves. And it means that if you're not evolving with it, you're getting left behind. And there are people who don't like that because change and evolution can be scary. And if you're not doing it right, the last thing in this world that you want is to be left behind. That, when there is the, the little sort of backlash that LA Knight gets, and it's very little. I mean, the crowd, the fans, the viewers of this show, everybody I know is on LA Knight's side. But I feel like any negativity that he gets at this point has everything to do with the fact that people don't understand how this change could be happening and they weren't a part of it. That's a scary thing. When you're a wrestling fan, and somebody gets over and you don't understand why it's happening, that means the problem's with you, not with them. The problem can't be with the whole audience. If the whole audience is on a performer's side, that problem can't be with them. The problem's with you. It's something that you are not seeing. And Roman represents that small section of the audience. That's the way Roman looks at LA Knight. Roman talks to LA Knight, you know, a couple of weeks ago as if he didn't know who he was. He didn't understand why the audience was cheering for LA Knight the way they were cheering for him. Roman was bringing it up on SmackDown. You've never even had a world title match. You've never been a part of a contract signing. You've never been here. You are not playing on this level because you haven't played on this level. And LA Knight represents everybody that is hungry for change. Every wrestling fan that is ready for the next star to be built and the star after that to be built and the star after that to be built. And everybody who looks at LA Knight and goes, yep, that's the one. Whether anybody in that company wanted it to be or not, that's the one. That's who LA Knight is. And LA Knight stepped up to the plate. He was in a position where he had to not only be as big as Roman Reigns in the moment, but from a reaction perspective, be bigger than Roman Reigns in that moment, not over the course of three years, not over the course of carrying the company, but in that moment when the two of them are sitting at a table, it's LA Knight's job to make the audience believe that it would be better if he were the champion than if Roman Reigns is the champion. And that is an extremely difficult thing to do when you've got Roman Reigns, who's been the champion for over 1,100 days, that's beaten everybody, that's beaten Cena, that's beaten Brock multiple times, that's piled up Edge and Daniel Bryan and kicked him to the curb uh, into another company. It's beaten Cody Rhodes. Stop the story from being finished. It's very difficult at this point for... Uh, I don't want to say an average superstar, but it's very difficult at this point for a, any full-time member of the WWE roster who that's who they are 
to make anyone believe that this is a competitive match worth watching. And the fact is that while I think when you're speaking realistically, who do you think? Not who do you want. Who do you think? What do you reckon will probably happen? Most people would still say, the vast majority of people would still say, well, Roman Reigns is going to win. As people talk about WrestleMania, they go, could be Cody versus Roman. Could be Rock versus Roman. I guess it could be LA Knight versus Roman, but versus Roman is always the second half of that equation. That said, when you get beyond the sort of, well, logically, I would think it would be Roman Reigns because it's always Roman Reigns. When you get past that and you go, yeah, but what would you like to see happen? The conversation about whether or not LA Knight should beat Roman Reigns, I feel like has been snowballing and snowballing and snowballing to the point where there is a pretty strong narrative of people who are going, yeah, but how, yeah, but how great would it be if LA Knight won? When you look at LA Knight nose to nose with Roman Reigns on SmackDown, nothing in that interaction tells you that LA Knight should not win. LA Knight does not look not ready for this. And I love that the way LA Knight is portraying himself is not somebody that's going, well, gee, gosh, golly, I never thought it'd be me. Well, gee, I can't believe it. I've dreamed about this moment for so long. LA Knight's not a guy who won American Idol. LA Knight's not a guy who won Tough Enough. As a matter of fact, the LA knight averse the LA Knight is everywhere continued this week. LA Knight was on Tough Enough. Did we even know this? When I was going through that LA Knight was everywhere, and I saw him on 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 the commercials for Renta Center or whatever he was on, on 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 the Triple H workout tape, on all this stuff. I didn't know that there is one scene, and he didn't even come close to being a finalist, by the way, on Tough Enough. But there is one scene where they're at the beach. This is the same Tough Enough that we saw Ryback. This is the same Tough Enough that we saw The Miz. This is the same Tough Enough where the boogeyman auditioned, and he said, I'm 30 years old. I'm 30 years old. I'm 40 years old. It's great. Great scene in television. L.A. Knight was there. L.A. Knight was trying out. There is a shot, a camera shot, where he is full frame, and that face is unmistakable. He's got longer hair. He's got no beard, but it is L.A. Knight. Yeah. You know what that means? Think about it. That's Million Dollar Tough Enough. I was in college when Million Dollar Tough Enough came out. I was in Syracuse University, sitting in a dorm room. I remember specifically, I was in a dorm room when those episodes were coming on. You know what L.A. Knight was doing when I was in Syracuse? He was trying to be a WWE superstar. And then I got out of Syracuse. I started interning for a radio station. You know what LA Knight was doing? He was trying to be a WWE superstar. And then I, I, I got a job in radio and I started doing some stuff with wrestling. I started going around as a young man asking wrestlers, what's the haps? Just to try to build some buzz for myself. You know what LA Knight was doing when I was doing that? He was trying to be a WWE superstar. And then I decided to start a wrestling podcast. We're now at episode 471 of that wrestling podcast. You know what LA Knight was doing when I started episode one of that wrestling podcast? 
He was trying to be a WWE superstar. And here we are, some 471 weeks after that. Plus, everything I did professionally before I was doing a wrestling podcast. Plus, everything I did before that, going all the way back to Syracuse. And LA Knight has traveled that road. And he's sitting across from the biggest star in the industry saying, enough of your yap, yap, yapping. Sign the contract so I can take your title in Saudi Arabia. LA Knight is going to the main event of Crown Jewel. And this ain't a Rudy story. This isn't, you never thought he could make it, but he's making it. This is somebody who decided that he was never going to be picked. So his only option was to be undeniable. And when everybody said he sounded too much like Stone Cold or The Rock, when everybody said it was too generic, when everybody said what everybody said, he said, I think I'm just gonna keep doing things my way and be so undeniable that I will get to a point where we are going to Saudi Arabia to do one of the biggest WWE shows of the year, a show the WWE makes a lot of money doing, which means that the star power has to be huge. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And I'll main event that show. Not because I got lucky. Not because I, 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 I fell into it. But because I made it so. Because I, I, I demanded it to be so. I forced the hand. And now we're here. And without humility, I'm here to take the title. And the fact that you, as you're watching the show, you look at this LA Knight character and you believe him when he says, I'm coming to take the title. And you go, in any other circumstance, I'd say there was zero chance that LA Knight wins against Roman Reigns. But this isn't any other circumstance. Is there a 50-50 shot that LA Knight beats Roman Reigns? Absolutely not. But is it greater than 1%? I think people want it to be, which says everything. There have been plenty of Roman Reigns matches that people have been like, I'm excited to see the match, but I don't think or necessarily even want Roman to lose. Like this isn't the one that Roman loses the title at. But that's not what this is. This is something different. And when you go through the year of Roman Reigns and 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 the stories that he's got defending the title. And that's, that's one of the reasons why the Bloodline story has been able to maintain 
for all these years because it's been different. For two years, Roman had to uh, prove himself. In this last year, really starting from last September in Clash at the Castle with Drew McIntyre, but let's just call it in 2023, it's been about building a baby face that's strong enough that whether you believe it will happen or you don't believe it will happen, you want it to happen. You want them to dethrone Roman Reigns. And who have been the ones to get that opportunity in 2023? Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, LA Knight. All of them going in to a scenario where you're like, you know what? Except for Cody, I don't see it happening, but I'd love for it to happen. And LA Knight is the next one who's who's achieved that. And people go, well, what happens to LA Knight if he doesn't beat Roman Reigns? Okay, does he go back to square one? Is this it for LA Knight if he doesn't beat Roman Reigns? How's Sami Zayn doing? Top babyface. How's Cody Rhodes doing? Top babyface. How's Jay Uso doing? Top babyface, bigger than he's ever been. Sami Zayn is just as big, if not bigger, than he's ever been. Cody Rhodes, just as big, if not bigger, than he's ever been. On that list of people, that have competed against Roman Reigns and, and have had all the momentum in the world going into that Roman Reigns match. Every single one has come out better for it eventually. And you could argue Cody Rhodes all you want. But the fact is that Cody Rhodes is just as popular, if not more, than he was going into WrestleMania. And if you want evidence of that, ask around. Ask wrestling fans what they want the main event of WrestleMania 40 to be. And I believe that the vast majority will tell you that they want the main event of WrestleMania 40 to be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Because Cody Rhodes hasn't lost an ounce. Nor, nor has Sami Zayn, nor has Jey Uso. All of them have gained. And that leads me to believe that LA Knight will be on the same track. Do I think LA Knight's going to beat Roman Reigns? I don't. But the fact that LA Knight has looked Roman Reigns in the face and maintained his positioning right here with the biggest star in the industry, it's a very difficult thing to do. The fact that LA Knight has gone from Max Du Pre to I'm in the main event spot and I 1000% belong here. Do you guys think so? He ain't getting out of this spot anytime soon. And the only complication for the WWE is what are we going to do with another huge star to maintain that star power? But you know what? They've done an okay job so far. Like I've said before, wild speculation. But as we know, with the last professional broadcaster, it's never just wild speculation. It's also a spoiler. I would say... LA Knight finally gets a title at WrestleMania against Logan Paul. Maybe it happens before WrestleMania, but that's what I would say. I think there are going to be people going into the Royal Rumble wanting LA Knight to win the Royal Rumble. That's what I think. We'll talk about the Royal Rumble as it gets closer because we've got too many stories to look at. It's not just LA Knight and Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel because 
as first reported by People magazine. But let's be honest, it was wildly speculated upon first here on Not Sam Wrestling. And when we wildly speculate, it's also a spoiler. It will be John Cena versus Solo Sokoa at Crown Jewel in the two months that John Cena has been back. He's basically back for all of September and October. This is the only solo match. <laughs> his only solo match is against Solo. This is his only singles match of this run. And John Cena is telling a new story. And I love it. This is not John Cena kind of giving himself as a sacrificial lamb. I feel like with the Austin Theory WrestleMania match, it was simply, it'll be good to get John Cena on WrestleMania and John going, all right, let me uh, let me, let me me put the heel over, right? Hopefully it'll give him a rub. There wasn't much of a story there, right? Austin Theory did what Austin Theory could do, but there was one promo and then boom, we got to WrestleMania and that was the match. This is different. This, we've gotten to know this version of John Cena over the last six weeks or so. John Cena coming out every week, addressing the audience, uh, being a big part of building up LA Knight. Because that's what, that's what this run has been all about, right? Helping LA Knight get to the point. Putting the Cena stamp on LA Knight and, and trying to help him get to the point where he is where he's at. Would he have gotten there anyway? I don't know. But the point is that John Cena certainly helped get him there at this time. So the next step is the story that John Cena has been telling. And it was made very, very clear. As the audience chanting, you still got it. You still got it. And John Cena said, but what if I don't? This is not John Cena testing Solo Sokoa. This is John Cena being tested by Solo Sokoa. This is John Cena taking a hard look in the mirror and saying, I, I need to win. This isn't about putting over a kid. This isn't about, hey, I'm John Cena and I'm, I'm safe, I'm secured, right? This isn't John Cena going, no matter what you do, you can never take away my legacy. This is John Cena going, I'll always have my legacy, but I might be done. Is that all I have? Because if I can't beat Solo Sokoa, maybe I don't have it anymore. Maybe I'm not the guy that I thought I was. Maybe I can't just keep coming back and doing this. I think that's a beautiful story. I love that that's the story. I love even more, as we speculated wildly on, at this point, over a month ago. I think John Cena versus Solo Sokoa is going to be big Cena, Umaga, Ruthless Aggression era vibes, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I also, uh, I, I, I think that John Cena saying, I might not still have it, and I need to know if I can still do this, is instant stakes. You've immediately added stakes to this match, which I think is, is, is so very valuable. It's not just, hey, what would happen if Solo Sokoa got involved with John Cena? It's not just, a, ooh, Battle of the Generations. There are stakes here. If John Cena can't do this, maybe he can't do this anymore in general. I think that it, it, you've also, I mean, John Cena's fighting from beneath. We don't see that very often. Usually in the comebacks, it's like 
John Cena's fighting from above, he loses. Or if it's a tag match, he wins. But he's fighting from beneath this time. He's fighting with insecurities this time. Um, You know, Paul Heyman coming out, thanking John Cena, but basically saying goodbye. Going like, this isn't about taking anything away from you. This is about the fact that you're right. It might be over. Might be time to say goodnight. I think this is going to be, and I don't think John Cena is going to win. I think John Cena is going to lose. And I think it's going to be one of those scenarios where after he loses, he looks out at the crowd and the crowd's going to know, oh, geez, this is the thing that you didn't want to happen. And Cena's going to say goodbye. I think this is certainly the end of this Cena run, which has been really fun uh, and interesting, I will say. I think that the Solo Sokoa John Cena match will be about two things. It'll be a big boost for Solo Sokoa because it'll he's lost, you know, a small handful of times. He's been pinned by a very few people, Cody Rhodes being one of them. But ultimately, it'll be this reminder that, yeah, no, Solo Sokoa is a different type of beast. And I think that it'll it'll bring as protected as Solo Sokoa has been, and especially was before he caught that pin from Cody, I think that it'll bring back all that protection and more to Solo Sokoa. Um, I also think that this will be the beginning of whatever John Cena's next story will be. I think John Cena will probably disappear for a while, whether this is what leads him to WrestleMania next year, right? We may, we're going, I think we're going to revisit this at some point. It could be at WrestleMania. It could be like, this is the story and we have to find an opponent for John Cena and maybe it's the end for John Cena. I wouldn't mind him getting another world title run. I wouldn't mind him getting the championship back and doing the exact same story that Ric Flair did. I I, I think that, that if anybody can pull off that story, it's John Cena. Um, maybe you can do that without a title. I don't know. Maybe, maybe instead of the Universal Championship, it's the World Heavyweight Championship. Maybe it's the United States Championship. You know, maybe it doesn't have to be a world title. I think, you know, it could be interesting if you have John Cena lose to Solo, go away for several months, come back, start winning again, beating a bunch of people. When I say beating a bunch of people, give him a victory over Austin Theory. Give him a victory over Grayson Waller. You know, give him a victory over guys like that. And then have his final match be with Solo Sokoa. After he's like, okay, I've gotten these victories back. Okay, I found myself again. I'm back in the groove. Now I'm coming for you, Solo, and I'm gonna beat you. And then Solo beats him again. And then, you know, we wonder if that's it for John Cena. Maybe he goes into the Hall of Fame after that. Maybe he really is done, or maybe he come, maybe, maybe now he's on sort of the Legends tour, but that's the end of active John Cena. I don't know. I this well, I don't think this will be his last match, but I think it'll it'll lead into what'll be one of his last sort of significant runs. That'll probably happen a couple months 
after this thing, but I love it. I love that, that we're getting a brand new story from John Cena and what will be, if done effectively, a chapter in the story of John Cena. The Austin Theory rivalry is not a chapter in the story of John Cena. Coming back last year at the end of the year to do that tag team match so he is making sure he's got a match every year, not a chapter in the John Cena story. Interrupting Elias uh, as the doctor of thugonomics at WrestleMania 35, not a chapter in the John Cena story. I don't even know if, I mean, I, I guess, I guess the Firefly Funhouse match was a chapter. It's not really a chapter, right? Because I think with the pandemic and everything, it just really complicated things. But I do think that it, it's a very, very noteworthy match. You guys know how much I love that match. I mean, I've done a full podcast, breaking it down frame by frame, basically. But I think this is a nice full beginning of a nice full chapter that we haven't really gotten. And it could be the final chapter in the career uh, of John Cena. Hey, speaking of, of Ric Flair, how about the fact that Ric Flair, we found out a gift was going to be given to Sting, that Tony Khan had a gift to give to Sting, and that gift was the gift of the nature boy. Ric Flair now in the possession of <laughs> Sting. It was a weird phrasing. You know, I think it's a big deal that Ric Flair is in AEW and that Ric Flair is a part of this uh, farewell to Sting story that we're apparently getting, speaking of farewells. But the phrasing of, like, I think it would have been appropriate if they had said, Tony Khan has a surprise for Sting. But the idea that, that he had a gift for Sting and that gift is just Ric Flair as a human being, it's odd. It was an odd, odd, odd way to uh, introduce Ric Flair to the audience. Um, you know, I, 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 first of all, how about Ric Flair, huh? The fact that he still gets that reaction, but also the fact that he can do whatever he wants. I, does Ric Flair have a Legends deal? I don't know if Ric Flair's Legends deal expired. I don't know if maybe the Legends deal allows for other stuff to happen. Or maybe he's just Ric Flair. So he can, he's nation. He can do whatever he wants. And if anybody should be allowed to do whatever they want, I think, you know, Ric Flair is one of those people. You know, it's interesting because as much as it's not so surprising that Ric Flair would go to AEW, because I do feel like AEW does make a point to... Uh, uh, acknowledge the history of WCW and the NWA and the legacy of of those promotions or that promotion, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but he's also got friends there. You know, Sting is there. Like the, there's, it's on TNT. Like it's where he was a big part of. But Ric Flair has always had loyalty to Vince McMahon. I think because of the way Vince McMahon treated him while he was there in 1992. I think because of the way Vince McMahon treated him when he came back. I think because of the way he was able to get his confidence back, the way Vince McMahon gave him that last match with Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair has always been very, very loyal to that guy. And you'd say, well, that would explain why he's in AEW now because Vince McMahon's not really around as much as he was. And I would tell you, sure, maybe, unless Ric Flair isn't loyal to Triple H, are you telling me? Because that's the other thing. Triple H and Ric Flair are historically very, very close. Right, You would think if anybody wants to work with Triple H, it would be Ric Flair. Now, maybe WWE's at a point where they're like, you know, we don't have anything for you. If you want to go over there and make some money for a few months, go over there and make some money for a few months. I have no idea. 
but it's very, very interesting. It's also, you know, I, I feel like this is a lot, the Sting retirement thing is a lot to maintain over the course of the next few months because Sting announced he's retiring at the January paper. I think it's in January, but there's at least two, if not three pay-per-views before Sting's last match. And Ric Flair said that he was there to be on the ride with Sting on the way to his last match. There's a lot of build time before the last match. It'd be one thing maybe if you didn't have any pay-per-views and it's just going to be, you know, months of TV leading to the last match. But that's not what this is. This is multiple stories will probably have to happen on the way to the last match. So it's interesting that he's here. It makes me wonder and it makes me think, will we see Ric Flair wrestle in AEW? Ric Flair's been very public about the fact that even though he had his last match in WWE, which, I mean, was great. It was the last match. And then he wrestled again in TNA. And then he had a show called Ric Flair's Last Match. The name of the show, not just the match, but the whole show was Ric Flair's Last Match. He, I mean, within, I think, weeks of that show last year, he said... Yeah, no, no, no. I want to have another match. Yeah, that wasn't my last match. <laughs> so, so I, I don't think, and I don't think he's getting another match in WWE. Uh, not only because of the, it has nothing to do. I don't. Well, it could have something to do, but not because of the condition that he's in. Because WWE would probably say, "We gave you your last match. It's one of the best last matches ever." Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair WrestleMania 24 is the blueprint for what a last match should be. We're not doing that again. But maybe AEW is like, all right, well, we'll do it. <laughs> and so, so I don't know. I'm wildly speculating. But as we know in the past, sometimes when I wildly speculate, it does tend to come to fruition. We got three months before Sting is done. Is there a possibility? If Sting is retiring at the January pay-per-view, they've got a pay-per-view on December 30th at the Nassau Coliseum. Is there a possibility that on December 30th, Sting and Ric Flair team up one last time. Tag team. Maybe even in a trios match, right? They get a young guy in there with them. And then Sting has his last match as a solo match the month after. Is that possible? You can't tell me it's not possible. Is it a good idea? That's a different conversation. But is it possible? I would say it is possible. Uh, speaking of stories going on in AEW, I, for one, love... MJF versus everybody. I love that the, half the roster has decided to come after this kid's title when he doesn't even have the championship. Like MJF has made himself so vulnerable and isolated himself so much that now that he's decided to let just a few people in, everybody smells blood. He can't get his championship he made a championship to be obnoxious and that title has been taken from him the belt itself has been taken from him by jay white and he can't get it back why can't he get it back because there are four people in the bullet club gold and he don't have three friends to be by his side and not only does he not have three friends but everywhere he looks is kenny omega is juice robinson is the gun club is Samoa Joe, is Roderick Strong and the kingdom. 
Everywhere he goes, Wardlow's writing his name on his wrist tape. You know how I know that? Because Tony Khan was like, I mean, because Tony Schiavone was like, that says MJF. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, somebody's gunning for him. MJF and Kenny Omega had an incredible match on Collision. If you uh, haven't seen it yet, go out of your way. Hopefully you DVR'd the show or something. Watch that match. It's about 40 minutes long, and it is unbelievable. MJF does some stuff where he reminds you, just because I don't do stuff doesn't mean I'm not capable of doing stuff. It was really, really something special. I loved that Kenny Omega-MJF match, and it really was, I'm sure, a fantasy come to life for MJF to actually do that on a very real level. For Max, it was like everything he could have dreamed of because Kenny brought it. Kenny didn't go half speed for a second. It was awesome. It was an awesome match. But I loved that after the match, they showed not only is uh, Samoa Joe watching, but the Bullet Club Gold is watching. And now we're adding Powerhouse Hobbs to the mix that is watching that and licking his chops. We're going to Dynamite next week and we've got an eight-man tag. And we don't know who's going to be in MJF's corner. The masked man scenario, the masked men, I think they probably should spend a little more energy on. Like, I, I, I feel like there was a gang of people in the MJF devil masks. And then here and there, it's popped up almost like a Bray Wyatt thing with the, with the, and you see the guy in the mask. Um, but maybe that's because they're not going to reveal it until, you know, several weeks down the road. And so they don't want to. You know, they'll, they'll ramp it up again before it's time to reveal. And if that's the case, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. But realistically, I mean, and then you've got the acclaimed who Max Caster wants to be MJF's friend, but MJF doesn't trust anybody because he's got nobody by his side. I mean, I'm thinking, right, when you look at it, who I think the kingdom will probably be MJF's partners. I don't think it'll be the acclaimed it could be but i don't think it'll be the acclaimed only because the acclaimed are confirmed confirmed baby faces and the only reason to put the acclaimed with mjf would be if you're going to keep them together now maybe you're going to keep them together and so you are doing that and it's like oh okay well if that's what you're doing but then you'd have to take out the acclaimed because the money here is mjf not having anybody to have his back so that's why like if he were truly going to have somebody to finally have his back, then the acclaimed are the obvious choice. But going into full gear, like this whole thing, I think revolves around the fact that nobody has his back. So it's going to make it extremely compelling when Adam Cole finally returns. Because when Adam Cole finally returns, he either needs to have MJF's back or it's time to turn on MJF, right? If MJF already has people that have his back, you know, I think the acclaimed thing can be down the road. What I, I truly want to see, now that Samoa Joe has entered it into the equation, because Samoa Joe, I mean, you go to an AEW show, you watch an AEW show on TV, there is nobody that captures an audience quite like modern era Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe has always done that. He's always been just this low-key, extraordinary talent. But he hasn't, I mean, missed a beat. And if anything, he's gained steps. This guy is unreal. And I think that, that 
that that's something that they really have to key in on. Uh, you know, I, I, for me, I would love to see MJF, like, I'd love to see him team with the kingdom because he's got no other choice. And then maybe they beat Bullet Club Gold, but then the kingdom turns on MJF, right? Or maybe they lose to Bullet Club Gold and then they turn on MJF. But regardless, they turn on MJF. And then maybe the mask guys show up to chase out the kingdom, but MJF looks confused by the mask guys. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what you, I don't know who you guys are. And so now MJF has no choice but to get Samoa Joe to help him out. And maybe that doesn't happen until after full gear. But I want MJF to take Samoa Joe up on his offer because I love the idea of spending several weeks with Samoa Joe being the best bodyguard that money can buy, as loyal as anybody can be. Nobody puts a finger on MJF because Samoa Joe won't allow it to be so. And then that all culminates with MJF now having to give Samoa Joe one more shot. And you realize that Samoa Joe's loyalties have been what he has said they've been from the beginning, which is a total business dealing. It's not that it's a ruse. It's not that he was ever lying. It's that he is so good at his business that he made you believe you had the most loyal companion that money could buy, but that's what you had the most loyal companion that money could buy. The money's out now, and Samoa Joe has come for payment, and the payment is the AEW World Championship. I love that story. And if you're gonna be doing more pay-per-views, if you're AEW and you're doing more pay-per-views a month, you gotta have stuff like that. So hopefully hopefully it'll go somewhere there, just because the idea of of having a mafia uh, 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 debt with Samoa Joe is terrifying. As a human being, you can relate to it. I just think it's awesome. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to uh, the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA putting on Sam Hain, the pay-per-view over the weekend, a uh, couple of really fun moments. You know, I feel like uh, the company is, is starting to really build around this era where EC3 is the NWA world's champion. Um, the headbangers coming out looking like a million bucks, especially Mosh. It's amazing seeing the headbangers looking like they haven't aged a day. But, you know, I feel like Billy Corgan ends up getting heat on the internet all the time. And so I was really happy to see the fact that he decided to get in there with Matt Cardona. And it really felt like, okay, if EC3 gets heat on the internet, if Billy Corgan gets heat on the internet, even though Matt Cardona usually plays the heel, people are going to be really happy to see him on an NWA show. You almost have a Stone Cold Steve Austin thing going on there. And I, I think, because who knows, they might do a triple threat thing, right, based on the way the uh, EC3's title match ended with Tom Latimer. But, and, I, and that would be fine. But I think that you could build a really special story between EC3 and Matt Cardona and really utilize the internet and really utilize promos and really tell a story where you've got people who don't usually watch the NWA aware of this title match and wanting to plunk down a couple of bucks to see it. Hopefully that's the direction that they go in. Um, while we're talking a little bit of news and notes, you know, Sam Hain was one of them. Uh, also great to see, speaking of uh, uh, championships, a title change on NXT. That's another match. 
If you're gonna if you're gonna go out of your way to find two title matches from television this week, uh, it would be Kenny Omega versus MJF AEW World Title and uh, Lyra Valkyria defeating Becky Lynch on NXT to regain the NXT Women's Championship. I mean, that is the reason you have somebody like Becky Lynch on NXT. You have her spend some real time there, get some real matches out of people, and then make somebody new on the way out. Let's be honest, everybody already looks at Tiffany Stratton like the future. Nobody looks at Tiffany Stratton and goes, I don't get it. However, Lyra Valkyria, now she's got the rub too. Now we've got a division where Lyra Valkyria had a knockdown drag out with Becky Lynch, a match that was really heavily promoted throughout the show. This is a big, big deal. Shocks the world by beating Becky clean. And now when we do Tiffany Stratton versus Lyra Valkyria, we got something. I thought it was great. It, it, it was just great. It's good for everything. Um, how about Ronda Rousey not being done with wrestling, huh? Ronda Rousey is popping up on the independence. Her profile was moved to the uh, 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 what's it called section on WWE.com. Not the, you know, the legends or whatever. And uh, yeah, she was like, I think Wrestling Revolver, I want to say, is promoting her for a show in LA. She popped up it on a show over the weekend. I'll tell you this. Ronda Rousey has the potential, right? Because I think what Ronda Rousey has done is polarized a lot of fans, but also, historically speaking, proved a lot of people wrong. And I think that if Ronda Rousey, because, you know, leading up to her first WWE match, people had very low expectations. Then they watched the match and they were like, oh my God, that was great. Oh, you know what? I misjudged Ronda Rousey. And then she had a build up and people were with her and then she got knocked down and people weren't with her. And this second run, I think the bag was fumbled in a big, big way. But if Ronda Rousey, of all people, can have a sick indie run, I think Ronda Rousey, if she could have a great independent run, could flip the narrative again. I think she's capable of that. I think if Ronda Rousey is good, people want to cheer her. If Ronda Rousey will give people a reason to cheer her, people want to get behind her. People want her to be a once-in-a-lifetime star. They wanted that in UFC. I believe that they want it in WWE, but they want to see it. If you can show people that on the independence, I think she could come back in a totally different way in WWE where she's not the sort of multiple sport athlete. The She came from UFC, now she's in WWE. Now she's a wrestling star and she's in WWE. And I, th I think that could be a very interesting look for Ronda Rousey. Uh, and speaking of interesting, things are getting more interesting for WWE globally speaking as not only are they going to Australia for the Elimination Chamber in February, but in August of next year, the Bash in Berlin. We're getting a premium live event from Germany. Now, clearly, even though he's not German and he's Austrian, I would think Imperium has to has to have a big showing. I feel like Bash in Berlin kind of has to have uh, Gunther. I almost said Walter Gunther in the main event. Is he still the Intercontinental Champion almost a year from now in August of 2024? It's very possible. 
Or is that the moment that we get? I mean, look, if I'm making the card right now, I'm writing it in pencil because pencils have erasers. But I think you hold off until next summer. And I think August 2024 is when you do Roman Reigns versus Gunther. Those two don't touch. They don't come into contact. They don't do anything until next summer. And then they finally have their match in August of 2024. I think that's the way to go. Uh, let's get to these emails, huh? Speaking of the way to go, you probably have ideas of what the way to go is going to be. You can email them in to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. That email address is notsamwrestling at gmail.com. And we go to, let's click this thing. Tom, uh, it's a long email. Why do you guys write these long emails? I know you get excited. I know I'm long-winded. I understand the attraction to it, but you also know I don't love long email. Sorry, Tom. Huge fan of the podcast. I really enjoy listening to the show on my way to work. Good. I'm glad you're a contributing member of society. <laughs> I was thinking about how Roman could lose the title and how I'd book it. All right. Well, then get a podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Roman is the head of the table, as we all know, and he's built himself in a position to have protection like a mafia boss. You can never get him alone because he's always got protection. Okay, to an extent. I would book it so mommy is the mastermind of this story. She's already cozying up to the bloodline, and I would get her to lead the bloodline into a false sense of security. I already don't like it. The idea that Roman Reigns is going to be tricked, like Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman, with their brains together. We're now led to believe that they're going to be tricked? Come on. Uh, at Mania, he faces The Rock. I don't know if we can. And wins with the help of the bloodline and interference from the Judgment Day. This builds confidence between the two factions. That seems like a real garbage ending to WrestleMania. If I'm being 100% honest with you, Tom, I hope we can speak frankly. The idea that the Judgment Day and the Bloodline interfere and then Roman beats The Rock is very WCW 2000 ending to WrestleMania. Uh, I would let Roman's championship run continue to the pay-per-view before the next Money in the Bank, maybe War Games. War Games is in November. War Games is at Survivor Series. What are you talking about, dude? We have heels versus faces, and this includes the Bloodline and Judgment Day versus whoever the baby faces are at the time. We're already getting that in November. We're getting that in, like, at this year's Survivor Series. That's already happening, clearly. Come on, bro. Paul Heyman at ringside. Pre so you think they're going to do a War Games match in May, and it's going to be the same War Games match that we're clearly going to get at Survivor Series. What are you thinking about, bro? I hope you... Once you get to work, you start thinking clearly because on your way to work, you are you are thinking crazy thoughts. Priest gets eliminated first and heads to the back. Rhea is waiting and she says, are you ready? And cuts back to the action in the ring. Finn gets eliminated, leaving the bloodline still in the match. War Games is an elimination. War Games is one fall and it's over. War Games is not elimination. Do you watch the product, dude? What is going on? Roman is watching backstage from his private changing room. Okay, so I guess, yeah, Roman's not in the match. We see 
priest grab a ref on the camera's backstage. They're plotting their move to perfection. We see the door slowly swing open to Roman's changing room as they all step in and lock the door. Roman's watching the TV, so he notices that they're behind him and something isn't right. Roman can't escape. Finn, Priest, and Ripley jump Roman and the cash in, and then cash in the contract in the changing room? This all plays out on the screen and the bloodline to watch helplessly as they're locked in the war games cage. Roman gets beaten down and pimped by Priest? Dude, this has to be a joke email. You can't cash in the briefcase in a locker room. You have to pin somebody in the ring. Money in the bank is not pinfalls count anywhere. You are saying war games happens in May. It's the same thing as what's going to happen in November. And a money in the bank cash in can happen in a locker room. Priest is the new champion. So he's just beaten Roman Reigns. So you think Roman's title run ends after WrestleMania in May before money in the bank so that priest can cash in. So after however many, 1300 days, Roman Reigns historic title run ends with Damian Priest pinning him in a locker room at the random war games in May. Dude, you didn't think about this as you were writing it? We then get a run of Roman trying to get his title back in the bloodline versus the judgment day. The bloodline are now the baby faces. Roman realizes he was drunk with power and treated the family poorly. Eventually, Jay returns to the family. It culminates in Survivor Series <laughs> when we get a judgment day versus bloodline Survivor Series match and a world title match between Roman versus Priest. Roman wins the title back and goes to Mania to have a one-on-one -on -one match with Cody and Cody finishes the story. I would love to hear your thoughts. Tom, you asked me for my thoughts. It's a mess. It's a total mess. I appreciate your email. I appreciate that you listen to the show. It's a mess. But I appreciate you, buddy. Jake writes in, first time emailer here. The only wrestling podcast I listen to, you're the GOAT. Yes, I am. Good email. I like this one. I like the last one too, Tom. You're great. Would you rather CM Punk return at Survivor Series in Chicago or be revealed as the person under MJF's devil mask? Okay, all right, all right, all right. This is great because now we can wildly speculate. Hmm. I guess I would rather him be under the devil mask. That's a great question. I would rather him be under the devil mask because everybody knows that he's been fired from AEW, but that would mean that all the internet gossip was totally misled that AEW is actually able to keep secrets and stuff doesn't get leaked out and it would become must-watch television. If CM Punk returns to WWE, WWE continues to be, oh yeah, you got it. it's great right now, right? WWE already is hot. If CM Punk is revealed as under the devil mask and nobody knew, it would immediately heat up AEW again. That's a great question. I would I would rather him for the whole industry and what would be just a bigger, oh my God moment, the devil mask thing I think would be bigger. Uh, Shea Boogie, you deserve your flowers, Sam. My jaw dropped the second Paul Heyman quoted you in the middle of his promo. It wasn't covered yet, but Paul literally said, that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler. Wild. Only the real ones know who he was quoting. That's right. 
me. I was just going to shout you out while I'm here. Do you know who the guy with the Trinidad flag and shirt is? He's probably 50% more of the episodes of NXT. I don't know. I don't know. I know a lot of super fans. I don't know that one, but I appreciate. And Paul Heyman, thank you for quoting me. Um, Sam, Jack from Michigan. My first time writing in. I love the podcast. Thank you, buddy. I discovered it before WrestleMania 39. I'm so glad uh, I did. I don't really have a topic in mind. I just wanted to say, hey, your podcast is great. I love that email. I can't argue with that one. Can't argue with the facts. Kanjay writes in, who's NXT best underdog, Gargano or Zayn? Also, what's your favorite Baron Corbin match? Gargano is the better underdog than Zayn because he's smaller. And because Gargano is all heart. You know what I mean? I, I think I love Sami Zayn in terms of just pure NXT underdogs. Gargano is a better pure NXT underdog. Uh, my favorite Baron Corbin match is probably the mixed tag. Well, I don't know. Just off the top of my head. The mixed tag with Lacey Evans was good versus Becky and Seth because he puts Becky in the end of days. Um, but I love that Lone Wolf NXT run. A lot of you guys wrestled for a hot dog and a handshake for years and years. I made a phone call. I love that run. Uh, Dean writes in, what do you think of WWE announcing matches through sources like New York Post, People, or ESPN? Seemingly more and more they're doing this. With Cena versus Solo, there was the interaction on SmackDown, then their crown jewel match was made official during the week, tweeted by WWE with the caption is first announced by People. Is it to get more eyes on the product from a casual viewer? I'm not sure. It's just because I live in Australia, but I never see these matches announced or reported by a sports media outlet. It's always through WWE TV or social media anyway. I think that it's just a matter of adding credibility and adding gravity to the match. Like this match is so big that this third party announced it. Like it was reported on. Like, and it's always, it's. I think they try for outlets that have name recognition. Sports Illustrated, ESPN, People Magazine. Entertainment Weekly, whatever it is. It's like, this is a big enough match that people are reporting on it. You know, is it a make or break thing? I don't think so. Does it add something? I do think it adds. I do think it adds. Uh, it, it just makes the match and the whole product seem that much bigger. Rob from Down Under again, lots of Australians. Hey, Sam, I just want to know where you rank Roman. This is my yard now. Uh, epic promo. Just five simple words that pissed off the crowd, but since then it couldn't have been truer. Um, I don't know if that's in my top five greatest promos ever or anything, but it is interesting looking back on it. Uh, Ultra Boy, it's no secret that you dislike WrestleMania 27. Hate it. It's the worst WrestleMania that's ever happened. Um... This is how I would fix the card. Okay, I'm interested. I'd obvious, I'm would i obviously cutting Michael Cole versus Jerry Lawler. I would not cut that. I, I like Michael Cole's heel run. I think that the match should have been eight minutes and Jerry Lawler should have just won the match, not 20 minutes. And Michael Cole technically wins by disqualification. I think that, you know, eight minutes, Michael Cole gets beat up. Jerry Lawler has his moment and it's the end of the heel run would have been the way to go. Uh, but that wasn't, why I hated that WrestleMania, by the way. Main event is Edge versus Christian, World Heavyweight Championship. Christian wins the Rumble instead of Del Rio. Would have made been a, a much better retirement match for Edge, but they didn't know it was going to be a retirement match. That, I can't, I have to stricken that from the record. You can't have that one, buddy, because we didn't know it was going to be Edge's retirement match at the time. 
Would I have loved to see Edge versus Christian? Yes. We didn't know it was going to be his retirement. You can't say it's his retirement, so that one is off. John Morrison beat The Miz for the title. The story is already there from their past. No way. Like, John Morrison and The Miz were not main event people. The Miz was, like, the whole story was, what the hell is he doing with the title? And did not have a John Cena-level person with The Miz doesn't make any sense. Undertaker versus Triple H can stay. So can Punk versus Orton. Uh, and the match between Undashing Cody and Ray is underrated. I would agree with those three. Cena can have a match with someone like Sheamus or R-Truth. I don't know, man. You know what the roster was like at the time while setting up the match for The Rock. Yeah, no. I mean, John Cena versus R-Truth, and then The Rock interferes, and that doesn't work either. Like, if the goal is for The Rock and Cena next year at WrestleMania, you have to do Cena versus The Miz. I think Cena should have beaten The Miz clean. And then, you know, The Rock challenges him or something like that. I think the way they ended it was totally wonky, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's still pretty flawed. Uh, Raj from Queens, baby. Take me to Queens. Uh, hey, Sam, we're in a time where heels get booed and babies get cheered. It's beautiful, isn't it? Except Rhea. Oh, I don't want to see Dom Dom and Mommy split up. They are definitely on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling couples. Don't ask me about, I think, okay. Creative will have to break them up to let Rhea reach her full potential. Eventually, they can bring them back together if they want to turn Dom baby. Uh, Dom can be Rhea's rescue. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't think you need to change anything right now. You know, I think that people cheer Rhea when she's by herself, but they still boo her when she's with Dom. I think that you could, like if you want Jade Cargill to be a baby face, for example, people will boo Rhea in a match with Jade Cargill, if Jade Cargill gets over, you know, I, but yeah, no, I, I don't think there's anything to change right now. You know, I think that Rhea is in a great spot as an anti-hero right now. And people like it's bubbling, it's cooking, but let it cook. Just let it cook. Don't mess with it. Don't add spices. Don't think like, Oh, I want to eat now though. Just let it cook. Just let it cook. Uh, Diesel, uh, long time listener, first time emailer. I'm so confused as to whether we take Rhea Ripley as a healer baby face. Interesting. I'd, they were, these two emails were just sent one after the other. The crowd cheers for Rhea and boo all the other. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I covered it, buddy. I like your name, though. Enzo writes in, uh, I'm gonna get straight to the point. Thank God. I emailed two weeks ago, and unfortunately, you didn't get my email on the episode, okay? Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, Paul Heyman was on NXT. right. And we can see him for a few seconds backstage talking to Ava Rain. Right. I found it surprising that you didn't touch on this subject knowing that you're a big Bloodline fan or even in the email segments, no one has mentioned it. But anywho, my question to you is, should we speculate when and where Ava will make her main roster debut? And should we start getting ready for a new member in the Bloodline? No, I think that Heyman was at NXT. This is why I didn't touch on it. Because I think Heyman was at NXT. And somebody or Heyman himself was like, oh, it'd be cool if we put out a little video with me and talking to Ava Rain because people know. And that's it. I don't think there's any bigger plans than that right now. At some point, possibly. If Rock comes back, probably. But like, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. Nope. I don't think that there's anything more to it than this will get people chit-chatting. And I'm not covering topics on this show that are just designed to get people talking that don't have... Like, if we're not going anywhere, what are we talking about? Nicholas from France writes in, boss, 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 I'm so excited. Uh, 
that Paris is in the discussion to host Backlash 2024. I didn't know that. Oh, I'd love to go out to Paris. Nicholas, see if you can get me a venue out there. I'll do a Nazi Sam Wrestling podcast under the Arc de Triomphe. Uh, so I guess there is speculation, wild speculation, that Backlash 2024 might be in Paris. I think that'd be dope as hell. To celebrate, let's speculate. Uh, the point of Kevin Owens coming to SmackDown was to, is the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown match at Survivor Series. Maybe, maybe not. Um, he'll face Sammy in this match. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe hesitate, costing SmackDown the win, and then we can go with all this going full heel, GM, blaming KO. So are you saying... Oh, yeah, no, I don't think that all that's going to happen. I thought you were leading to a backlash question. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, sup, Sam? Second time emailer. Okay. John Cena is my favorite wrestler of all time. That's what I'm talking about, dude. I love hearing that. Therefore, I can't forgive WWE for having both Edge and Cena on many of the same shows, premium live events, and WrestleMania since 2021, and they've had literally zero interaction. I think that's because Edge is babyface. I'm not asking for a program, a match, or even a full segment, just one moment of them acknowledging each other and the fact that they uh, are both competing 20 years into their career. What's going to be tough to do now, bro? Edge is in Jacksonville. Cena's in New York. Matt from Melbourne. A lot of Australian emails. You guys must have great service down there. What are your thoughts on uh, reviving the mixed gender match gimmick in WWE with the intent to build a new division? Timing feels right with the amount of factions, emerging mid-carders, fun characters. Could be Maxine Dupree and Akira Tozawa, Ivar and Valhalla. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think a mixed match challenge... I think that was a fun show. If they wanted to do that show again, I think it'd be fine, like for Facebook or something. But the idea of it being a serious division, I don't I don't think needs to happen. Uh, this one is from Chris. Thank you for doing my silly challenge a few weeks ago. Uh, so much Chris representation. I have a question about rule number one, watch the product. It is the most important rule in my opinion, especially why when there's so much product out there. Are there any products that you wish you could watch more of? Aside from the big two, I try to catch every event from New Japan, Impact, and NWA, but watching all that week to week is exhausting. What would you add to your viewing schedule if you had more time? I would watch Impact uh, every week. I don't get to watch everything that Impact does, but if I had more time, Impact would definitely be at the top of the list. Um, GCW, uh, I'd love to watch more GCW shows. Um, yeah, those are probably the ones that I would add. Uh Avic, thanks for getting this on the air again. Ha ha, you must have known. What is the best wrestler? Who is the best wrestler you met for the first time? For me, it was Kevin Nash, coolest guy ever. Uh, my brother and I had a beer with him after. Uh, I mean, meeting The Undertaker was awesome. I don't remember, it wasn't the first time I, hanging with Stone Cold is like the coolest thing in the world. Humble brag. Um, I always got along very well with, uh, I, I, I liked my interactions. I should say with Brian Danielson, he might be like, what do you mean? Got along well, we're not buds. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a few people. Uh, edge was one of them. Adam Copeland. Um, I don't know. Yeah. This whole, like never meet your heroes thing. If you're a coward, never meet your heroes. I have had great interactions with my heroes. Uh, last one, Matt in Boston wildly speculating you know i love wild speculation about a possible cm punk return to wwe what if he came in as a heel and a lackey of roman reigns 
This will be the last one. Uh, <laughs> sorry, buddy. Uh, dear Not Sam, I fully agree with you on the take that WWE made the right choice having Roman go over at WrestleMania 39. All right. However, I still believe that it could have been done in a way easier for the fans to digest. I think you'll prefer my ending of the match. Well, my, aren't you forward? All right, I guess I'll prefer this. This is what he thinks. Let's see. I don't want it to be easily digestible. I want it to feel like somebody punched you in the stomach and the air got knocked out of you. But, oh, maybe I'll prefer this. Before the final sequence... I'd have the WWE title being involved in some sort of way that leaves it laying in the corner of the ring. After Solo hits the spike, Roman goes for the guillotine instead of the spear. And now the final shot of the match is Cody trying to make it to the ropes from an angle that looks like he's trying to reach for the title. I believe that dramatic image of him passing out with his hand inches off the title would be heartbreaking and there would be less complaints of him getting buried while indicating that he's not done yet. Well, no. I mean, I think if if Roman chokes him until he passes out, then, like, interference or not, Cody went down. I think the idea of ending the match the way it ended was Cody came across looking as strong as he could have. So, no, I do not prefer that. You were wrong. I do not prefer that. Um. All right. Sorry to everybody else who emailed in. We can't stay here all day. Um, but keep emailing, uh, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. If I didn't get to your email and it still is good next week, send it in again. At some point, I'll get to it. I go through them. Like, I'm not filtering as we go. So if your email doesn't get read and you've you you've emailed in a bunch of times and it hasn't gotten read, it's just a matter of timing. Um, so, you know, feel free to keep sending stuff in. Nobody's banned. Uh, you all have voices. It's great to hear all your voices. Um, I have voices in my head. That's was I'm being put up by the USA Network Twitter account to hint at Randy Orton. Uh, we it looks like we will have another uh, podcast coming out on Tuesday uh, with uh, the one and only Robert Stone. Assuming that interview happens, uh, Robert Stone. So be on the lookout for that on the audio feed of Not Sam Wrestling as well as the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube. Make sure that you're subscribed to our channel. Make sure you're leaving comments. Make sure you're hitting like. If you're uh, listening to the show on Apple, leave a rating and a review. If it's on Spotify, leave a rating. And we will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling.